Standing alone by the edge of the woods What am I doing? Something not good I'm practicing a skill of a unique kind How to summon wolves with my mind Welcome there and welcome to Sweet Child of Time Today we're doing Wheel of Time, episode 5 Blood Calls Blood This is the rewatch You astute listeners might know that on Thursday of last week I re-dropped our recap of this very same episode So today we just finished watching it earlier today so now we're re-watching Blood Cause Blood with the boy, Marshland Monster. Ahoy there, James. May you find the water and shade. I found it. It's plentiful today. It's wonderful out there. How are you today? How's Chicago? Um, I'm doing well. It's 50 degrees here. Yeah, man. We got a nice February heading up for us. I'm a little upset because normally the past few years... February, we've just been getting a hit by snow, and we got zero snow this year. <laughs> that upsets you? I think that would be wonderful, having no snow in the city like that. No, I love it. Oh, a few good, years good, good, good. ago when we got, like, maybe four feet of snow, mm-hmm. it was great. You would have to walk down time. Also, <laughs> I don't leave the apartment that much besides going on walks, and it's a winter wonderland. When you go down Lincoln Square, they have their Christmas decorations up, cute little lights in the uh-huh. shapes of snowflakes, which I like because I am a snowflake. Same here. Yeah, everybody keeps telling me to shut up snowflake, but I just yeah. won't shut up. I'll just keep talking. They can't shut yeah. me up. <laughs> hey, man. This this episode dropped back on December 3rd, 2021, and Uh-oh. let's see, what I want to say about this episode, Blood Cause Blood, maybe this is a recency bias because I just watched the episode. Uh, I think this is better than the last couple episodes that we've seen. I'm, I'm like leaning towards, I'm liking this better than episode four. Uh I don't, just because of the scenery and all the cool settings and all the you know, in-world stuff they talked about. I'm leaning towards this one being better than the last episode. What do you think? Oh, the the only thing good in this is the scenery. It's bunch of whiny <laughs> men crying. And, oh, it's not even related to the book. None of this happens. Why are they spending so much time on stepping? Oh, I guess you're, you've been reading some reviews, haven't you, James? Yes. <laughs> you've been getting biased yourself, because I got recency bias, and you got bad review bias, I guess. I liked the episode. Yeah, yeah, I was asking for you. I thought it was, like I said, it's better than I remember it being. I haven't seen this for a while, and yeah. I I also forgot, because we would do each episode in two halves, Sure. I forgot that in the same episode... They're grabbed by the white cloaks, then they flee the white coats because we stopped when he started getting sliced up the first time. That's right. Yeah. It's, it seemed like a that was an appropriate stopping place. Like mm-hmm. we were like right at the height of the action and the next week we picked up. I mean, it was these episodes work great, like cut in half. They could easily do that if they wanted to make like little 24 minute episodes. Well, it would still be about 30. Yeah, I suppose so. Um Let's see. One more thing I wanted to say before we get into this is um, some Wheel of Time news has come down the pike. And that is, you know, season two is coming. We don't know when, but we do know. Yes, I have. I have. Wheel of Time news has come down the Rosemond Pike. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Applause. We like that one. (laughs) That's her name, right? That's exactly right. Yes. All right. (laughs) Uh, We're going to have a character in season two that nobody was expecting to be this soon. It's a character called Fail. Um, Her name is spelled F-A-I-L-E. And I've always just read it as Fail. Some people might say Faily, but... This is a key character that we're really surprised to see this soon in the story. So be looking out for that. I, Aubrey Plaza would be my. We don't oh. know who's. We don't know who's playing her. Okay, and you, I was my, like, holy shit! Yeah, my my head canon is Aubrey Plaza. That's who I think in my head when I read the character fail. Is I I picture Aubrey Plaza. So do you picture her as Grumpy Cat? I she voiced Grumpy Cat, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've never pictured her as such. I'm sorry to say, I've never even seen that movie. I think it's I so need good. To. Yeah, yeah. I listened to your podcast along with it, and yeah, maybe this Christmas time is the time to see it. It's a forever. You know, it, it's shot in Los Angeles, so it's not like there's snow. And I guess I don't have to wait till Christmas time to watch a movie. I can watch it any dang time I want. And, uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, here's a good plug for Grumpy Cat, the movie. (laughs) Nobody knew existed. Worst Christmas ever, I believe, is its name. (laughs) I had another thing. I, uh, everybody's crazy about these chat bots and these chat GPTs and all that. So I decided to jump on board too. And I could have gone a lot deeper than this, but I just asked the chat bot if it could write me an intro to our show, Sweet Child of Time. So this is what it told me to uh, that our intro is going to be from now on. <laughs> uh, and th- I would never write anything this wordy, by the way, to say every week. And that's why I just say, hello there, sweet child of time. And that's pretty much my intro. But here we go. Welcome to Sweet Child of Time, the show where two best friends, Steve and James, delve into the dark world of 1899 and recap the events of the epic fantasy series Wheel of Time. Each week, they'll be discussing their favorite moments, theories, and predictions for what's to come in this exciting world filled with magic, adventure, and politics. So grab a drink or a bong, and get ready to join Steve and James as they embark on a journey through the world of 1899 and Wheel of Time. It's time to step into the past and experience the magic once again. See, how did it know about the 1899? Like, what did it, what was it fed? Okay, my prompt was, write a podcast intro for Sweet Child of Time, 1899, Dark, and Wheel of Time recaps, hosted by Steve and James. That's what I told it. So, yeah, yeah. I want an AI that I can feed information to. So then I can have them write because I have all of the mostly speak and sentai intros in like one folder. Well, one folder per season. Okay. So I would love for them to write, you know, like today on Five Man, we learned, or if you listen to earlier mostly right. speak and sentai, like Car Ranger days, those were insanely absurdist, just <laughs> baffling intros, which might be why we don't get a lot of listeners. I've shortened <laughs> them up. I think they're all funny, but they're weird, especially if, you know, every episode is someone's first episode sure so if you are all of a sudden going into a midway episode about you know mortal Kombat and such because it's midway you'll be thrown off like what the fuck <laughs> is this <laughs> well i don't know your intros are very unique these chatbots could not write an intro like yours but i think i could if you wanted to do it james here write it down now it's chat.openai.com forward slash chat so that's where I found this, and you can find it too and start doing your intros if you'd like there. 
Well, I can't feed it information, so I have no interest. Why can't you feed it information? What are you talking about? Wait, I can? Yeah, that's all I did. I just wrote exactly what I just said to you. I just went no, to so, that website and I wrote that. So there are chat bots, like AI things that yeah. you can truly like feed it. Uh, like Jake and Amir did this where they fed it all of their scripts. Yeah. And then after a while, it was able to write a full script in the style of Jake and Amir just based off from the stuff that they fed it opposed to giving prompts. Okay, well, you could do the same thing here with this. Uh, I don't know if you could do the exact same thing here, but I have seen other AIs where you give it like examples and then you say, mm -hmm. yeah, I, actually, I think this chatbot does it because it gives you all kinds of options for entering okay. stuff. And I just I just enter in simple sentences. And I think um, our buddy over there, uh, Neil, on our Discord, not our Discord, but the Horse Discord has been doing the same thing with those visual AIs. He just feeds it crazy prompts and just rewords it and it just spits out neat stuff. And no reason you can't do it too, James. Well, I want it easy peasy, not like I have to keep, I just want copy uh, this document into there, copy this document, and that's it. It is that easy, my friend. You're on this. All right. All, All right. right. I'll I'll come back next week, and if it wasn't <laughs> that easy, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> well, let's see. What's easy peasy today is talking about Wheel of Time. We just watched it, or you just watched it today. I watched it yesterday, and I got three sections here that we're going to go over. Um, of course, we got the Rand and Matt section. We've got the Nynaeve and the Aes Sedai section, and we've got the Egwene and Perrin section. And I don't know, James, I'm going to let you choose. Who do you want to go with first? Well, the reviews, that's what we do first. Oh, believe for me. Yes. I'm sorry, James. Where am I? Where's my head at? Uh, yeah. So okay. who are your reviews coming from today? It's not coming from, um, let me, let me think for a second here. It's not coming from Letterboxd because Letterboxd is just for movies. Yes. These reviews are coming from IMDb. Correct. Yay. I got it this time. All right. What you got? All right. So this is episode five. Of course, I will say there are a lot, th all the negative reviews generally had an issue with just men showing emotions, especially the warders, <laughs> which is insane. Some were like, yeah. I'm fine. Like, oh, they're just so whiny. I, I mean, I'm fine with men showing emotions, but, and it's like, no, you're not. If you have to say a, but you're really not. You are. Right. It's so much of an issue that you – it's in the back of your mind, but screw those people. <laughs> I only have uh, – I, I have two good ones, two bad ones, the bad one I truncated. Then I have some – like I read all the reviews, and I found one thing that I'm like, <sighs> holy Christmas. I am so glad to bring this to your attention. All right. This is coming from uh, – or, or A – probably A-H-M – XII probably 12 that would be my guess is what that last part was a 12 year old okay this is good one eight out of ten saying overall this is a good episode but clearly a step up episode people get to where they need to be for things to pick up the pace again next week sometimes i appreciate the quiet moments and teases for the future it's in these moments we get to see the actors really embodying the characters however i still think i added this review because i agree very much with it 
this. However, I still think the direction went a little too far with Elan in the last scene. Only Pike's performance as Meringue at the at the time at the same time saved the moment from getting too silly for me. I I'm fine with him showing the emo- it's him like ripping his ch- like shirt open and going ah that's the part that I think it got a little too silly. Agreed, and you were saying something before about the guys saying I'm I'm okay with guys showing emotion, but dot dot dot. And I have to admit, the fir- the very first time that me and Heather watched this when this first aired, we we cracked up laughing at that at that scene. Not until they did that overhead view, mm-hmm. and then he ripped open his shirt and yelled. Up until then, I thought he was committing to the bit very well, just yeah. beating his chest and yelling. But then that overhead shot, that Darth Vader shot, that was a bit strong. We all agree he committed to the bit a little too hard. Uh huh. Or the director said, "Hey, do yeah. this," and that that's just. <laughs> Be, I think it's only funny because we've seen a lot of like parodies of like, yep. oh, we're going to parody melodramas, and that's always something that happens. Like maybe in most Will Ferrell movies where he's playing a crazy person, that is something he does. Yeah, it's too bad too that this that was the very last thing we saw when the episode ended. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because everything else up until that was wonderful. And I think if he had just simply like crumpled over in a heap, that would have been better. Mm -hmm. Like maybe like an inconsolable heap or, you know. Or like go full at it, rip the entire shirt off and commit fully to it. But if it's just like, ah, that's the, oh, like that makes it funny. So let's get on to the next review, though. This is right. four out of ten from Finn Schneider twenty five eighty three one saying where's the red line I don't know what they mean about that you don't even need to explain it to me but I only put a little bit of this review in because it's like dude just wait <laughs> they state. I seriously don't know what kind of story the writers tried to tell. They implemented a completely random and unnecessary subplot with the desperate warden, maybe that's an (laughs) autocorrect, who kills themselves, which didn't add anything to the story and who you feel no sympathy for at all because he is just a random side character. This is something that... Upon a rewatch, I notice, even though I don't feel like you should feel sympathy for anyone who lost a loved one, especially like, oh, not only are is it a loved one, they're connected with a bond. Mm-hmm. It's super stupid. But rewatching this, the reason why they're planting this and Meringue is asking about like, uh, oh, this is a terrible, like, like tragedy for the warder. No warder should outlive their eyes and die. Right. Like, trying to, like, f- be like, w- w- but he'll be fine, right? And then also, like, Lan, like, and I think in that last moment, she's crying. And mm-hmm. I think last time you said because they feel the pain. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's more so she is seeing this might happen to him, to right. Lan. Yep. Because she knows that even though she might not die when she goes and meets with the dragon and the mm-hmm. dark one in the end, that 
even if she doesn't die, there is there's going to be days or maybe weeks or months where she is going to be having to sever the link from land. And if it's even close to the devastation, she does not as this man Stepin is feeling, she doesn't want to do that to her friend, but she knows she's going to have to. I think that's what they are setting up throughout this entire episode. Bingo. That's exactly it. And correct. We don't know this guy stepping and there's no way they could, they could show that bond in any other way than to show you like head on. This is Mm -hmm. what, and Moraine's life, she's been searching for 20 years. She's finally now at a point where she has found one of the potential dragons. Mm -hmm. She's Mm -hmm. like, she feels like she's so close to like her journey's end but that also puts her in a lot of danger. She's not just walking around looking for people from village to village. Now she's actually getting into the real meat of what she's doing. Her life is in danger at every moment now. And yeah, that's the bond. And that's what I I do. You're right. When anybody who just listened to the recap would hear me saying that I thought that Moraine was crying because she was feeling Lance pain. But I, I through the rewatch, like you said, I know now that she was crying, thinking about what land could become Mm -hmm. like that could happen to him. And do you remember that silent scene between her and land as well? Like after land was at that ring ceremony, obviously that was heavy on their minds then. Mm -hmm. And then the dude offed himself. So, I mean, it's like, this is potential grief. Yeah. Yeah. And that was what a four out of 10 review that you just read there. Yeah, they had more stuff, but I'm like, it's, it's all just, oh, it's not good as the book, me. <laughs> and I don't know what red line they're talking about. I No clue. So we can just skip right over that. Yeah. So let's get on to the next one. This is another poor review. One out of ten from Sun Sengren. Maybe that's what it is. Longtime fan of the books, devastated by the dismal adaptation. This person has a long list, like one, two, three, like so many. Just he, a long list of things they hated about this specific episode. So let okay. me get prepared. All right. Nine, I could go on, but I would just depress myself, so I will stop there. I like that he's just like, one, two, like they could have just stopped at eight and said like, those are the things that I hate instead of saying, oh, there's so much more. Quit being melodramatic and shut up. Yeah, you're the one star fella. (laughs) All right, this is an eight out of ten from... uh, Thamelise, maybe, saying... TV, not a book. They go on to say, I didn't even know this was a book series. Glad I didn't read it because I like what I'm seeing here. Good acting, interesting stories, and surprises. What more is there? Read the book again if you don't like it. (laughs) Hell yeah. Agreed. And if you hate the TV show, the book is always going to be there on used bookstore shelves everywhere across the country. So Mm -hmm. no worries there. Your book is not going anywhere. Yeah. That's interesting. Somebody into the show haven't seen the book. Didn't even know about the book. That's crazy. All right. Yeah. All right. This is the explosive thing. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. We have been talking about these purists the people who don't want this show to exist and they just 
firebomb all of the reviews. Right. We're under the assumption like, oh, they are watching, you know, they're, maybe they don't like the show. That's fine. They can word this. However, what I found completely ruins that theory. <laughs> okay. This is two reviews from oh, both one out of tens from Hollywood is Trash and uh, – oh, wow, wait. Oh, no, no. I was like, this is from – someone's named their thing Robert Jordan. No, this is M. Del Y. D. First one is the titled The Wheel Turned Into Trash. And then the second one is <laughs> Raph Judkins is, trash, is a trash writer who hates Robert Jordan. Now, hmm. what I am – I'm going to read a review, just one of them, okay? Okay. This episode that borrows nothing from the books highlights the ability of the writer's teams. They are utterly incompetent. Characters are, quotes, especially men, or parenthetical, I should say, are all crying babies, children with adult bodies. Why you had to took a removed fantasy fiction and change it so dramatically? If you wanted to narrate the now, oh, if you wanted to narrate the now usual woke trope, why did you not wrote your own intellectual property? Right. Ah, right. You are incompetent. <laughs> Steve. Yes. That's not one review. That is literally in multiple reviews, word for word. From oh, they cut different... and pasted that? Yes, they cut <laughs> and paste and put in a little bit of their own stuff. But it's insane that it also there are straight up grammatical errors yeah. and typos that are the same in these reviews. So a lot of these reviews that I'm seeing are using the same wordage, the same phrasing. They're just copy and pasting. And probably I don't think the backlash is as strong as what people are would see because a lot of these users might be the same exact persons or people. Yeah, the internet does allow like a small minority to become the vocal majority, and I'm mm -hmm. positive that's what happened here. That's weird that they would take like a review like that. They wouldn't fix in the uh, any of the errors. Well, I think it's the same person. <laughs> oh, with multiple accounts, and the yes. same person can't proofread before it, this. The same person can create multiple accounts, and they can <laughs> they can figure out that part of the internet, but they can't figure out how to uh you know correct their errors by just simply like right clicking and yeah. <laughs> looking for the right thing that the computer suggests to them to say instead. Yeah. It's it. I'm, I, I was scrolling. I was like, Oh wait, did I, Oh shit. I must've scrolled up and scrolled down and didn't notice I, that I did that. And then I'm like, <laughs> No, these are the same exact reviews, just in different areas. This sounds like the work of our friend, the the Wheel of Time purist. I think he's been at it again. Well, they <laughs> did have a review, but I didn't. It was just the same bullshit that they always say. Uh, Matt and Rand arrive in Tarvalon. Matt is getting much worse and mostly lays low while Rand is enjoying his travels in the big city. He meets Loyal in a library who eventually reunites Matt and Rand with Nynaeve. 
uh, who Matt smiles at at first, genuinely happy to see her before he snaps at her and reveals how sick he actually is. So yeah, what what key point do you want to go into there first with our boys at Matt and Rand? The first thing I want to say is that Rand is dressing like our buddy Link from The Legend of Zelda. Oh yeah. I like his style. All right, they um the first place they go when they get into town is to an inn that Tom recommended them to go to. Um I was hoping you might have caught that on the second time around because last time we were talking about, you know, Tom's potential duplicitous nature Mm -hmm. and if that's the case if tom is leading them astray then he led them to this inn that they're staying at because they you know they're going off one of his tips yeah there's no uh, maybe because like oh we uh, something was thwarted maybe he wasn't expecting them to get there so quickly etc that uh, there's nothing nefarious waiting for them there, at least nothing that I can right. remember or we know right now. So maybe he is a good person or maybe it just they got there quicker than he expected. Or I guess the point I'm trying to make is is um, he suggested a place for them to go and they went there. So he's kind of like a step ahead of them already because oh, he knows oh, where they went. yeah. And another thing, too, another person who knows where they're at. We catch sight of Padane Fane twice in this episode. Oh. First time you see him is when they go into that inn that Tom recommended for them. Oh, then yes. And, like, you hear, like, the whistling. You you don't see Padane Fane, but you see Rand and Matt going in this, in this building, and you hear the same whistling song that Padane Fane was whistling in episode one. So you're seeing it from his eyes, them going in there. And then later on during the parade, you see Padden Fane like walking by and eyeballing them real quick. Okay. So the only, if he is not a dark friend, mm-hmm. it's probably he was recommended this in by Padane Fane because they might, like, they're both travelers. They probably mm-hmm. have linked up before. So Padane Fane could have planted that into him knowing that he could someday meet up with these two. Yeah, yeah. See, on the, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I still think he, like, that for sure means he's a dark friend, though. You mean Tom? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's we're going to further s- proof. Yeah, I don't. We uh, we have already watched this whole season. I don't think we run into Tom again for this mm-hmm. season. So, yeah, you got to wait until spring or summertime to. F- ah, he's not going to be around till season three, baby. Oh, my gosh. I know. Whew. So anyway, um, what else we got here before we meet? uh Loyal. There are no another thing happened. Oh yeah, when they before they got to Tarvalon, um, and Rand eyeballs that mountain and says, "I've seen that mountain before." And if you know through the rewatch, we know this comes up a little bit later on. Little Easter egg they drop for you that they hope you pick up. Um, you know, Rand spying Dragon Mount right there, which is where the dragon was born, and drag and he's saying he's seen it before, but we know he's never left the two rivers. Except uh, well, he could have been there when he was a baby, right? Um, what if that's where that battle happened, where she gets all sliced? At this at this point, he is Tam's son. He doesn't know anything other than the fact that he's Tam's son. Oh, okay. You're saying 
in his mind, mm-hmm. he's never actually been there, but he could have been born there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yes. Just like the other dragon. Which is like, yeah, why they dropped that line in there. They had to drop it in somewhere. <laughs> why not here? Uh, we meet Loyal. We love Loyal. Um, we loved him before. We still love him now. I like him more than I did before. Um, mm-hmm. I think the more I watch the show, the more I enjoy his character and watching the guy who plays him, um, and Mr. Animation, he's great at playing loyal and I hope he keeps up with this. Um, yeah, I got the ale mistake in there. Thinks that Rand's an ale. We know this already. Oh yeah. This is the big thing I wanted to bring up from the rewatch. Cause we already discussed the recap, blah, blah, blah. But the rewatch, it's a very good thing that Rand slipped up here. Because he's trying to tell everybody, he's trying to lead everybody astray and not let them know he's from the two rivers because the, these, you know, the Trollocs are after them. So they're supposed to be mm-hmm. quiet about this. He slips up and tells Loyal that he's from the two rivers because he's kind of caught off guard. If he hadn't have done that, then Loyal would not have put two and two together and figured out that Nynaeve was her friend. Yeah. Because that's how he knew Nynaeve was from the two rivers because of her braid and he's a well-studied fellow. So he, you know... Good job telling the truth there, Rand. Always tell the truth. <laughs> we also get some Rand shadowing when he says – when Loyal says that humans uh, are never fu- – they go into things never fully prepared for what they're walking into, which is what happens in the last episode. Yep. That's exactly it. And we also learned that you don't call a Tuathan a tinker and you don't call an Ogier an ogre. They don't like being called that. That is, that's like they're, you know, people say ogre, ogre all the time, but you should, you should call them ogiers instead, listeners and James. Oh, oh <laughs> this woke agenda they're giving us. <laughs> We're snowflakes, James, and we respect everybody's opinion. Uh, I didn't realize how, uh, in the rewatch too, how bad Matt looked. He was actually crying in one scene and I don't know why I didn't pick up on that, but yeah, he had tears in his eyes, begging with Matt, I mean, begging with Rand to look after him. He doesn't really do the reverse, but <laughs> um, yeah, I feel bad for my boy, Matt. I think, so when they're up on top looking at the, in quotes, I guess, parade, whatever you want to call that, coming yeah. through, I, as a rewatch, him saying Hey, if one of us is the dragon or one of us can channel, you won't let me turn out like that. And I think this statement and the agreeance of like, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that is why he leaves the group, because he realizes that either he is going to like he doesn't trust others to protect him and he doesn't trust himself to protect others because he might be like, I can't do this. This is something that is truly uh, something I'm incapable of doing right now. Yeah, I hear that. And or if he is the dragon and can channel, maybe he's afraid like I'm going to hurt people. Right. That's what he's already afraid of now. He's afraid he has hurt people already. (laughs) Just like that dark friend wanted. I know, man. I tell you. All right. I didn't have anything else about Rand and Matt, I don't think. So I'm going to head over to break unless you had something else, James. I do not. It's break time. We'll be right back. Trapped in the wrath of a wolf attack. Ouch! Was nipping at your arm. 
One's nipping at your leg One's lunging at your shoestrings Causing you to rethink the way you do things In a while you will lose that smile When they get up on your Jack London style Then you'll regret all the crap you pull You won't sass me like that when I can summon wolves Wolves to the front, wolves to the back Wolves circulating, waiting to attack Wolves to the front, wolves to the back Yay, I love that song, James. That's our man, Howard Kramer. You won't sass me like that when I can summon wolves. That one came out of maybe about eight years ago. I got the link for it there in the notes. This is the best video, best song by our man. Not the best, but it's a pretty dang good one by Howard Kramer. Um, and it's appropriate. I think that came out like 10 plus years ago. Maybe so. I mean, my Master of Pheromonies is from a while ago. The YouTube video is eight years old. That's all I know. So. <laughs> yeah, so it, because it was done with, uh, I forget his name, but his Austin, Texas f- engineer friend, it, it's pre-Who Charted. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's it seems like it's so appropriate to our episode today, which is why I had to reach oh, out yeah. to Howard and ask if we could use it because... We're talking about Egwene and Perrin, and we know that Perrin's going to summon some wolves. But first, let's see. Perrin and Egwene are about to arrive in Tarvalon, but are commandeered by the White Cloaks and Valda. They torture them, they being Valda, tortures them for confessions. Valda bullies Egwene into channeling, but she channels Perrin free and stabs Valda in the shoulder. Perrin summons wolves to help them escape. So, heck yes. Um, I guess we'll start with the when they almost got to Tarvalon. This is the happiest I've ever seen Egwene. She is ecstatic in the beginning of this episode. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, like, they're talking and she comes up behind them and... this Okay, this episode starts with a funeral and it ends with a funeral. And then it starts with them being captured and it ends with them escaping. And it starts with Egwene being the happiest I've ever seen her. And it ends with her like in the worst place we've ever seen her as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing that's why the direction was for her to be just, you know, I guess she's ecstatic, too, because she can actually see the White Tower and they're actually at their journey's end. But just a joy to see Egwene feeling some joy. That's all. Mm hmm. Uh, real quick, based on Rate Your Music and other websites, January 12th, 2009, mm. but based on Howard Kramer's haveasummer.com, 2008 is when it was released. So late 2008, early 2009 is when Masters of Ceremony hit the scene. It's still pertinent today. Still pertinent to mm-hmm. this very day. Um. We get to see the way of the leaf in action here. We were talking about the way of leaf the past couple of episodes, and we get to see it actually come to fruition here. And again, we got Isla in charge. Isla is the one who takes the punches, and she's the one who, you know, is the leader of this group of um, the Tuathan. You heard our boy call him Tinkers. I didn't like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so these Tuathan, 
They are weighed down by so many layers. The white cloaks could have just went around them. As we see, like they're on horses, like gallop, gallop. They could have gone on horses and just like been like, oh, hey, we found them. We're going to take them. And then it's like, we don't need any violence. Just like go grab them. It's weird. (laughs) Of course, it's probably just to like show dominance because these are fuck boys. But still. But still. Yeah. Um. The leaf wins, though. Leaf always wins, even though they they fall down here. I think the leaf is going to win in this situation um, because they caught up with they these white cloaks bullied their way. They got what they wanted, but they got theirs in the end. So I think the leaf won. What do you think? I guess I don't know what the leaf is. The way of the leaf. They talk about how the um, the leaf flutters from the tree, and you can crush the leaf. But the leaf just, you know, will become compost and help everything grow in the end. Okay, okay. Yeah, so the leaf definitely won here. Um, I don't really have much else to say about the Tuatha, and I just wanted to kind of get to, um, I don't want to get to it, but discussing Valda and Egwene and Perrin yeah. here. Same. Okay, so it seems like Valda should be on the same side as the Aes Sedai, right? Because it seems... yes. It, which I did not know until I, I never heard this line until the rewatch. Mm-hmm. And he explains why I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Are you talking about how he they use like magic as like a cheat? And like, yes. And yeah. And like it's not of the earth is what he says. And saying, oh, then this clearly is coming from the dark one. Mm -hmm. Pretty much saying, oh, well, magic is the dark arts, so no thank you. Or people saying, like, technology is of Satan. (laughs) But, I mean, this also will show you how short-sighted the guy is. Because, you know, he's saying it doesn't come from the earth, it's not natural. But that's exactly the powers that they're drawing from. They draw earth, air, water, and fire. So they're using, like, the natural, you know... What do you call those? The natural elements. Elements. Yes, elementals to do their magic. So that comes from the earth. So Valda, you're wrong on all counts, but you know, that's what he thinks. Um She could have cleaned herself. I know I brought it up last time, but it's so violating. Yeah. And also like I, I'm guessing the like it wasn't real brushes that they were using on this actress they just you know it put yeah. we put in those sound effects and then <laughs> yes. you think like oh that's what it is magic of hollywood filmmaking even though it's not hollywood <laughs> uh yeah that's bad and this all happening in just midday during lunch sun is shining makes this more screwed up and terrifying than it it happening at nighttime. Yeah, he's a first shift guy. Because you notice when he was burning that eye Sedai at the stake in episode two, that was like in mm-hmm. the middle of the day too during his lunchtime. So I don't think he works, you know, after five o'clock. I think he punches Could out be. and just, you know, that's when he puts on his sleeveless shirt because he looks pretty buff in that sleeveless shirt he wears. But yeah, this is a daytime thing. And why didn't they clean up Perrin? Why just Egwene? I don't know. I think it's too... Uh, probably to emasculate her or to what, what am I trying to like not 
um, degradate, not the, what's the word I'm trying to think of, demoralize. I I think it's to say like, oh, you have, we need to get this braid out of you. If that's something we know that you probably hold near and dear to your heart with this magic dark art stuff, at least that's what they think mm-hmm. it is. We need to remove all of that and also put you in our attire. And I think maybe... It's a cleansing thing. Yeah, I guess so. And they're more interested in finding it. Seems Valda, I should say, not they. Valda is more interested in finding Aes Sedai's and torturing them and accusing them of being dark friends. And he's not looking towards these other guys like Padane Fane or anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I guess he sees Perrin as less of a threat because he's just a dude, whereas Egwene yeah. could potentially be like a magic holder, I suppose. Yeah. So maybe he just sees Egwene as more of the threat than Perrin. Well, obviously that's what he does. He sees Egwene as more of the threat. Um, oh, but he shouldn't have. <laughs> that's right. Because even though Perrin was the one that stood up and kind of took his attention away and kind of scared him, all Perrin did was like Frankenstein around Egwene did all the stabbing and all the running around out of there. So all Perrin did was well, stand up with his yellow eyes and look scary. No. Yeah. He killed everyone in the camp. Wait, Perrin? Yeah. What are you talking about? He summoned those wolves. Oh, oh well, well, I'm talking about Perrin's actual hands that are attached to his actual body. He did not no, do but, anything other than the, like Frankenstein. But yeah, his wolf buddies came and... uh did some damage. I like that. He underestimated this man thinking, well, he has no magical traits. <laughs> well, I was sitting there trying to think, did, did Perrin run out? It's like he didn't stab Valda. He didn't hit anybody. All he did was look at a wolf and they exchanged some eyes and then they ran off. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, you uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons, you're like, the druids are pointless. Why are they here? And it's like, we... The druid just summoned a huge-ass bear and killed everyone. (laughs) That was the bear that did that, not this druid. That's why I don't play D&D, I guess. I'm (laughs) not in it. Well, okay, we got our first appearance of Perrin Golden Eyes. You saw those Golden Eyes, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think they went away. I think he just got a flash of those eyes this time around. But, yeah, you know, on a rewatch, this is the first time we saw that happen, so we got to bring it up. And I've already talked about, even though I hate Valda, I did like that sleeveless look when he was walking around. That was cool. They should have kept stabbing him. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Make sure he's dead. Cut off his head. Yeah. Yeah. Just one quick stab to the shoulder and that's it. Nah, he's going to be back. He's definitely going to be back. Um, Yeah. I didn't really have much else with those two. I did not either. All right. So we're going to move on to Nynaeve and the Aes Sedai then. Before we do that, it's related to it. What is worse, getting stilled or being a warder who their Aes Sedai has died? What Ooh. do you think is more fucked on the mental state? Holy Maybe shit. the uh, the like warder thing because you can actually like uh, – that can be reversed. Yeah. Uh, meaning like you can swallow that death and that pain and then also get into another Aes Sedai relationship that will ease that pain even more. So yeah, you want to know what? I think I answered my own question. You did. I was going to say stilling is definitely worse. But I mean, we see Stepan's pain, but 
Stillen is, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> nobody wants that. And nobody survives through that. Tom talked about it last week with uh, his, his cousin, not his cousin, his nephew Owen, who got stilled. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, he offed himself about two weeks later. With a, with a steak knife. Ugh. Know, the dinner table? Come on, Owen. Jesus, go to, go to just, your room, Owen. No, I'm saying it's serrated and wouldn't work that well. I would use a serrated knife, I think, because like just those other knives, like, okay, when I cut things like, um, like onions, for example, you're supposed to use like a, the, the butcher's knife. I always use a serrated knife because it gives you that kind of grip and it kind of, I use a serrated knife on everything. So also you absolutely should not be cutting onions with a serrated knife because that's going to fling the juices and make you cry more i mean i've been doing it for like 40 some years now so i mean oh my god and my knife is in great condition and my eyes are not crying so well they're in bad condition i see you have corrective lenses on (laughs) well anyway that's nothing to do with onions all right nine even the eyes to die um, uh, also, yeah. Nicole had two comments on this. Okay. Uh, I don't know why she said this, but she said more like wheel of swine. I don't know. What? And then <laughs> uh, when they're like laying everyone to rest in the that like first funeral scene mm-hmm. in these shallow graves, we'll get into that in a mm-hmm. sec. Nicole like comes in and says, who died and made them sad? <laughs> I- <laughs> it's something she said before. I don't remember the or, like the origin of her saying that before, but it's one of the funniest things that Nicole has ever said. And I was like, is that a reference to something? And she's like, no, it's just something I said. I was like, comedy gold. It is. And <laughs> that segs me into some, something unrelated as well. I was listening to Hollywood Handbook recently, and they had Sarah Sherman on the show. Mm-hmm. And she was telling the boys how... They they were they were doing their thing. They were making jokes, and she was like watching, and she kept forgetting to say things. And she was like, "I love y'all's show. I, I listen to it every week, so it just kind of feels like I'm getting a personal show. So I don't know how I'm supposed to fit into this. And so, like, mm-hmm. when you say something funny like that, I like it's like as if I'm listening to your podcast. I'm like, oh, sh- I got to say something back because <laughs> I'm usually just like watching you and enjoying this as if I get my own little personal show every week. Uh, that's what did you listen to mostly speak in sentai last week with sean crazy ate the snap oh yeah i was gonna say marciniak no but yes i did i that same thing happened to him of like oh shoot i'm i'm just listening as a fan (laughs) Uh, uh, melzer i think recorded sarah sherman's recent special like the audio stuff okay yeah she's sarah squirm aka yeah that's right Mm mm-hmm well, let's get into Nynaeve Squirm. We're going to go Nynaeve and the Aes Sedai. Um, they also arrive at Tarvalon in the White Tower. Well, also, along with Rand and Matt. Uh, Leandrin, once again, propositions Nynaeve. Uh, Nynaeve is told by Moraine to lay low, but she instead goes to find Matt and Rand with Loyal's help. Uh, she tells the story of sick Egwene as a child. And she insists that she can heal Matt and the two river folk can take care of themselves. And she ultimately provides Stepan with the sleep aid, which he uses to drug Lan. So he is able to Harry carry himself. So, yep, 
Damn. What angle you want to go at first here, James? I got lots of angles. One, the shallow graves, is that just because visually it would be appealing as it goes above? I guess. I mean, they don't – yeah, I was taken aback by these shallow graves too. I didn't think they worked, but I guess it's just to show us the characters, I suppose. I don't know. At, at first I thought when she was putting the candle on, like, oh, the candle will eventually burn them mm-hmm. and they will like go back to the earth the way of the leaf, you might say. <laughs> But it's like in a glass jar, so I don't know the whole thing about that. Or maybe Aes Sedai, like um, fairy dust when they die. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're all regular corpses and they're all just going to be okay. corpses in the ground there. I'm, I don't know what the plan is. This is the, if the graves weren't so shallow, I wouldn't have any questions about this. But because they are like six inches instead of six feet, it's a little odd. Um, but yeah. I think it's just they do that just so you can see that there's the king and there's the Aes Sedai and there's just a regular foot soldier and there's a warder. I'm mm. sorry, there weren't a warder. Everybody's getting buried side by side, I think is the yeah. whole point. And a, um, yeah. Oh, what's up? I was going to talk about how many graves there were. Um, thir- oh, okay. 33 graves. I mentioned that last time. And. During our recap, I believe you were um, you asked me what the significance of 33 was. And I just said, you know, that was the age of Jesus when he died. Um, but there's a lot more 33 to talk about. Um, 33 is the angel number or the master number, depending on who you talk to. Um, it's the atomic number of arsenic. The human spine has 33 vertebrae. Again, it was Jesus's age when he died. In the Buddhism religion, there's 33 gods in the second level of heaven. On the Islamic prayer beads, there's always 33 beads on their strain. 33 degrees is the Newton scale of boiling. And the TV show Dark, coming up soon on Sweet Shot of Time. Every 33 years, there is another cycle in the Dark trilogy. Wait, isn't that also in... Stephen King's The It? I don't know. What is that? I mean, I know what Stephen King's uh, it, it is, but what what do you mean? It doesn't Pennywise, that monster, come every 33 years? Oh, or maybe that's 20, like 17. 27 oh. years. Okay, all right. All right, sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, I did, when, I forgot to mention this. When you said like, oh, we have a new character and it's it's strange that we're getting this character. I was going to say, who is it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're like, this is weird. Okay. (laughs) I was giving them the benefit of the doubt in the first season of, you know, making their own, uh, diverting from the book, but they can't just throw Jesus in here. (laughs) Jesus is everywhere, James, don't you know? Even in Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. (laughs) Jesus would absolutely be a a, a tavern tavern character as well. Absolutely. Um, I noticed a, I think a production error in this episode. So last episode, Loghain was being held in that cave and they had that metal cage around him. Mm -hmm. He burned that cage up. He disintegrated it and then he escaped and then Nynaeve stilled him. So we see them arriving here at Tarvalon and he's just riding on a horse with just a rope around his neck, like looking just dejected as heck. So they don't need to like guard him anymore because he's been stilled. But then the very next scene, when we see them in the city, he's in that exact same big cage that he was in before that he burned down, apparently. So I think it was just maybe like a little bit of production snafu there. See this? Yeah. 
Oh, you're saying they got a second cage they carry around? (laughs) I I put up, so I have multiple of the same microphones near me, so I just put the other one near my face. I also think that he doesn't need that cage, but it's a show of power and also like, hey, we're, we're protecting everyone in this city. If the dragon reborn, people have heard, or a false dragon reborn, Mm -hmm. this man can destroy the world. You don't want that just out and about. It's going to send the wrong message and people will start fearing this man opposed to championing the Aes Sedai. No, I agree with you. When we first saw him, he was in that cage and they were like, when they met Moraine and they were like, we have the dragon reborn. I agree with you. They wanted to make a big pomp circumstance and go through the city and like make it look all fancy. But the fact is, is like right before they got to the city, he was just on a horse, like with a rope around his neck. And that was what I was going to say was like, they're showing him being all weak now. Actually, Steve, yes. the the real production snafu here is how did they get that big ass cage into that cave? <laughs> I said eye powers, I guess. <laughs> Okay, maybe they melted it real good to, like, loosen it up so they could squeeze it. Then they blew it out, then put it on top of it. That cave had a really big entrance. I think they just had to, like, tilt it over, and then, you know, a couple of astute warders could just kind of shuffle it in. It was a large thing, but, it like, it curves. I don't think you could get it around that curve, how tall it was. Oh, I got the answer. It's like... You can take it apart. You take it apart, and then okay. it's like it's like one of those tents we use in scouts, and like you assemble it when you get there, and then when you leave, you unassemble it and go about your business. All right. So I guess you're right. I guess they could have had two cages, and they had the second cage and for the procession here, but I don't know. I just you know, one if I was one of these book cloaks that was yelling about things that were wrong with this show, that might be one of the little petty things I might bring up, perhaps. One thing I before we get into the city, I like how they're talking Lan and Meringue saying, oh, Lan's uh, is worried about his friend. And Meringue says pretty much don't worry. Steppen is a strong man. He'll deliver the ring to the tower. Yes. Which I think she is. She knows what's going to happen. He is going to kill himself. But she knows, like, because she doesn't say, all she says is, this man is going to do his duties and bring this ring that it means so much to us, to our society, to our culture. This is tradition. He is going to go and kind of like, this is her final uh, passage mm-hmm. like he needs to do this for his friend in order for her to be at peace right and i th- i think she's like once he does that he's going to kill himself she doesn't say he's going to be fine right. all she says is he is strong he will get this ring to the tower yeah yeah i that is true and then i was thinking about that too when she said that at first i wasn't thinking the same thing you were um yeah uh, you're making me think about that in a different way now, but I'm thinking that she cannot lie. So she is certain that he was going to, that he's going to bring the ring to the tower. So she has that faith in him, but I guess that's where her faith ends. That's all she can say Mm -hmm. without lying. 
because maybe she's yeah. maybe she's doubting that Stepan's going to be okay, like you're saying. So she can't actually say it, or she'll be lying. Yeah. Wow, dude. Okay. That's a clip, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> Make sure you edit it so I don't sound like a stuttering fool, okay? Of like, uh, and y- you know, <laughs> she gets that thing. What a ring! Yeah, there we go. Did I did I release something that made you in a, in a poor light, James? There's times, like, at least when I would, I edit things as if everyone's smooth talking (laughs) to the detriment of my time and, you know, resources. But, uh, yeah, that's like the, uh, I probably would take that out. All righty. Well, if I do one of my little two-minute clips, I'll absolutely do that for you. Speaking of I Sedai lying, this is something else I did not catch until a rewatch is Leandrin, uh, I'm just kind of going randomly at this point. Um, Leandrin talking to Nynaeve in the hallway there, trying to like, you know, get her on the red side or whatever. The last thing she says to uh, Nynaeve is like, you know, the garden's that way. And then she says that the persimmons are in season. Do you remember that? that mm-hmm. Did you think that was a weird thing to say? Or did you, did that cut you off guard? Because it sure caught me off guard. I just thought she was being a weirdo who's like into gardening. <laughs> she is a weirdo. The way she was talking to Moraine and like touching her face while she was talking to Moraine, Leandrin is an absolute 100% weirdo. But her saying the persimmons are in season is weird. Um, yes, it seems like a gardening thing. It's also could be a clue. It could be either a clue, like a, like a catchphrase that Nynaeve might supposed to be picking up on. And then Nynaeve doesn't, who knows when persimmons are in season is Leandrin telling the truth in this, in this situation. It's just a weird thing to say. And it's an easy thing to, um, investigate. <laughs> oh my God. What if the persimmons are in season is the song. <laughs> it gotta be the song. But yeah, I, I just have I, when I when, when I heard that phrase, the persimmons are in season. The first thing I did was like go to my Google. I typed in persimmons are in season, and the very first thing that popped up was Leandrin episode five, Wheel of Time. That was that popped up right after it, not because I typed it, but because that's what people are typing in about persimmons are in season. Any foresight? Anyone have any cool theories? Um. Yes, <laughs> I can think of this. I think I'm not saying it, so I'll say it. Was she lying? She's an Aes Sedai. She's not supposed to be lying. Was she lying? That's what we're supposed to be wondering here. Oh, I, I truly, I just thought like, I, I walked out, I had to use the bathroom, so there might have been stuff like that I didn't, like I half heard, so I just assumed they were talking about something related to that, and she's like, and the person, this is stuff like, I, a lot of times the things I say on like other shows are just a parody of my mother and this i'm just like my mom would say something like this oh and the persimmons are in season and i'm just taking that as what something my mom would say okay well we're doing this show the wheel of time sweet shot of time we'll be doing season two season three etc um 
this this is not a puzzle box show. I mean, this is a fantasy show, but I'm used to watching like puzzle box TV, like 1899 and dark Hellraiser Hellraiser. There's not a there's not a wasted word on screen. Everything is a clue to something like they don't just show up with an object and it not come into play later. Everything matters. So I'm listening out for things that sound weird when I'm watching this show, just because that's how my brain I'm watching Severance now as well. Same thing there. That show is fantastic. It's a real puzzle at this point for me. I'm on episode three. Um, So anytime somebody says something that doesn't seem right. It's supposed to put you through pause. Um, and every word in this episode, all the dialogue exchanged between these characters is like pertinent to the plot dialogue. Like mm-hmm. there's not a wasted word in this episode. So that's what that's what made me look into that persimmons um, saying. Okay. Oh. The persimmons aren't in that like fuck room that the <laughs> that you know those two have. Uh, there, there's nothing like to look we, there's no other reference to persimmons this entire season. No, no. All right, we'll have to wait, guys. Gonna have to wait. Um, Leandrin, yeah, I also said that she was really weird to Moraine there um, when she's talking to her and she's like brushing her hair and like caressing her cheek. Um, I don't know. I thought that was 100% odd, not something that a normal person would do. Uh, I just got two notes. And it's kind of one note. <laughs> You're a one note pony. Well, what's what's your two notes then? All right, I like that the dropping of the ring into the 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 forge. Mm-hmm. That's just a warder ceremony. Of that, that there's no eyes right. that there, uh, and it it feel because like that's kind of who is hurt the most in this like yes it's one of your sisters you have been raised together but you aren't as a fe- like as truly devastated there isn't this relationship a warder and an isodai at least from what i've been told their relationship is stronger than an isodai and an isodai mm-hmm. that's why you have all this infighting like it's just not fun but what i like even more is because of that relationship, it it flips again because when a warder dies, the Aes Sedai show up because they're like, these are our people. So it's like you are able to grieve and it's not about us when an Aes Sedai dies. It is about you guys. You guys are the ones affected most by this. But when a warder dies, we're all fucking we're, we're all fucked up with this. I don't know. I, I, I just would, I like that. I guess so. I'd kind of disagree a little bit, though, because I think with um, Corinne dying here and like it's just the warders doing the funeral for her ring. Yes, it's Stepan who feels the most pain. And that's why he is the only one. He's like doing the ceremony by himself. Everybody else is hanging back. And then all the warders are hanging back. And then, like you said, the I said, I aren't even there. Um it's more of a knock to the tower. I mean, on a personal note, yes, Stepan feels it the hardest. On a grand note, like the Aes Sedai, like when she died, like all the Aes Sedai in the battle felt that death. Like everybody knew it happened. So, I mean, it's a blow to the tower to lose somebody as powerful as Corinne. So I think it's kind of odd, actually, now that you mention it, why the Aes Sedai aren't there, or at least the Greens that hung out with Corinne. 
maybe it's more so because I see the White Tower, and when I think of the Aes Sedai, all I have seen is politics. Like, mm-hmm. everyone's coming at each other. Maybe this was a situation of, like, the warders coming together hundreds of years ago and being like, hey, when one of you guys dies and comes to a funeral, you're fucking up the mood for everyone with your poli- <laughs> like your political leanings. Like, I think you guys need to remove yourself from this. We are affected. Like, we need to grieve. You guys are all cold and whatnot. You can just, like, forget things. It's weird. <laughs> so maybe that's what, what it is. I don't know. I I felt it as, like a respectful thing and maybe it's because they like they're not the i said i live a long time right they're sort of ageless yes that's right okay so they're like well warders aren't Mm -hmm. so they need this grief process more than we do yep okay that makes a lot of sense yeah well obviously that's how why they do it (laughs) we're just guessing why they do it but that's obvious what's what they're doing because we're seeing it (laughs) Uh, let's see. I'm thinking about Steppen's funeral too. Like, um, yeah, everybody was there at his funeral. Yeah. You're really making me think about this now, the I Sedai funeral versus the Warders funeral. And it almost seems like it should have been like a moment for just the Warders, but it was just for the Warders that, that, um, ceremony. It was only like the I Sedai's that were, um, affiliated with Stepan that were there in his ceremony at the very end. So mm-hmm. it was just the warders and then ju- not every Aes Sedai, but just the ones that kind of knew him. You know what I mean? And Nynaeve was yeah. there too, I guess, cause she hung out with them a little bit at the end there. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're glossing over a lot of stuff here, listeners, but like I said, we discussed it all like just last Thursday on the recap. We talk a lot more about, the funeral and the forsaken and, you know, stepping succumbing here. So I'm going to kind of gloss over it a little bit, if that's okay, James. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm done. Oh, you're done. I only got one last note then, buddy. And that's because of the rewatch. Um, you obviously know why Moraine, when she and, uh, who was it, Alana were talking and Alana left the room and then Moraine went and gazed at her golden mirror <laughs> in her mm-hmm. room. So you knew what was up with that, right? Yeah, because yeah, you've seen the series. When she says, "Oh, you're this is going to be as empty as this room or as barren as this room," whatever she says, mm-hmm. uh, "Oh, you, like you'll have as many friends or here as you like have things in this room." And I was like, "Well, yeah, man, that's because she has a fuck pad that's <laughs> all decked out. You're not seeing her real room." That's right. Yeah, that is a good way to put it too. Like a little fuck pad that. That she and uh, she and Swan get to meet up in. But yeah, like anybody watching this episode for the first time would just see her like gazing at this golden thing. And, you know, I, I like how they kind of left us on that mm-hmm. without, you know, specifically telling us. But what what kind of story are they trying to weave here? I just don't get it. <laughs> Watch the entire series. That would be like someone watching the first five minutes of The Godfather and being like, well, what are they trying to say? <laughs> well, I'm trying to say, James, that we're wrapping up this episode of Wheel of Time, episode five. I'll be releasing the recap of episode six between now and the next time we talk, James, so our listeners will hear that. 
Um, they can check me out at intro.void on Instagram. And how about James? What you got going on, James? Hey, guys, listen to uh, – was that? No, that was in between breaks, I think. Listen to The Height of Horror, <laughs> a podcast I do with Presley Bracken. It's very fun. It's a horror movie podcast with uh, – just read the description. You'll figure out the, the crux <laughs> of it. It has a twist on it. That's wherever podcasts are found. Wherever you're listening to this, you can find The Height of Horror. We're also on TikTok, HOH Pod, where I'm doing like shorter reviews from movies that I just watch on my own. That's fun. Then go to MLMPod.com forward slash, oh wait, no, just MLMPod.com to find out all the information, even about the height of horror. It's a good time. Listen to my music under Marshland Monster and head over to Patreon.com forward slash MLMPod, where for $5 a month you get exclusive content every single Friday in the form of fun podcasts. That's it. Heck yeah. Thank you, James, for doing this with me. I love it as always. Thank you to Howard Kramer for letting us use his song, You Won't Sass Me Like That When I Can Summon Wolves. Also, thank you, Howard Kramer, for me and James being a fan of his, and that's how we met. So we wouldn't know each other Uh if it wasn't for Howard Kramer. So see you next week with episode six of Wheel of Time. And until then, James and my listeners, may you always find water and shade. Chips ahoy! Yum, yum. Bye-bye. Bye. Standing alone by the edge of the woods What am I doing? Something not good I'm practicing a skill of a unique kind How to summon wolves with my mind Yes, that's too much, it drives me nuts I've asked you to stop, you won't let up But we'll see if you keep talking sides When you're trapped in the wrath of a wolf attack One's nipping at your arm One's nipping at your leg One's lunging at your shoestrings Causing you to rethink the way you do things In a while you will lose that smile When they get up on your Jack London style Then you'll regret all the crap you pull You won't sass me like that when I can summon wolves You never listen to me You're all about me never do anything Go anywhere Wait, like, you can't. are you gonna wear that? You forgot our 11th month anniversary Duh. If you sass in my apartment I dial up the wolf department Like a pizza guy, they'll arrive and let them in When their car pulls up outside, I buzz them in And if you pass at the water park You'll hear the bark of a water shark With the shark to the wolf in the shark disguise And he's coming for that ass on the water slide Then you'll know not to disrespect Then you'll know keep the lip in check then you'll know to be very careful You won't sass me like that when I can summon wolves You dress like so crap, go around that guy breaking uh, No, slow down, don't go Get off this guy's ass We'll never get there Never put your blinker on Turn, turn, turn Wolves to the front, wolves to the back Wolves circulating, waiting to attack Wolves to the front, wolves to the back Wolves circulating, waiting to attack Wolves to the front, wolves to the back Wolves circulating, waiting to attack Wolves to the front, wolves to the back Wolves Yeah, I would never save it up So far, I managed to summon a raccoon in this world The squirrel might have been a coincidence But the raccoon was a definite summon And he looked mean, now he had fangs He's pretty vicious So, pretty sure as I perfect this methodology It'll be time for you to watch out for the uh, 